Alright guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Wednesday, March 2nd. 2022 how's everybody doing out there today let me get this microphone situated here we go here we go <laughs> all right guys welcome to the show today's show is brought to you by redcon1.com that's right it it is what it is guys great supplement company out of the great state of florida american-made products supplements from america for americans let's go let's go get them Oh, <laughs> all right, guys, I'm just jump into it. Let's get going here. Yesterday was the uh, State of the Union address, and we'll get into that. That's pretty much what we're going to cover on uh, on today's show for the most part. Um, there's no sense in dwelling on the Russian-Ukraine thing. It's pretty much the same old shit, different day. Um, there's many different theories on what is actually going on. A lot of misinformation there, um, but I really don't want to bore you guys with that. Uh, first thing I want to do is talk about what today is. Today is Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent, and it uh, runs until the uh, Holy Thursday, um, You know, and that's 40 days from now, so it'll end on uh, sundown on April 14th. And uh, so what is Lent, and what are you doing to observe Lent? And I'm not saying Lent as the stuff that's on your clothing, Lent. <laughs> so what is Lent? Uh, Lent is a 40-day season of prayer, fasting, and alms- almsgiving that begins on Ash Wednesday and ends at sundown on Holy Thursday. It's a period of preparation to celebrate the Lord's resurrection at Easter. During Lent, we seek the Lord in prayer by reading sacred scripture. We serve by giving alms, and we practice self-control through fasting. We are called not to only abstain from luxuries during Lent, but to do true inner conversation of heart as we seek to follow Christ. We'll more faithfully, uh, we recall the waters of baptism in which we were also baptized into Christ's death, died to sin and evil, and began new life in Christ. So, now generally this is something that is more, you know, geared towards, um, you know, Catholics. Different, it's not like everybody does Lent, obviously. But, I'm not Catholic. I'm, um, I'm a Christian, and I do believe in God. Um, so I started thinking, okay, so, you know, God sacrificed for us. But um, what can I do to try, you know, and emulate? You know, as me and Chris were talking about this today at the gym, and it's like, you know, back back then, you know, 2,000 years ago, I'm not saying it was easier to give up stuff, but you didn't, there wasn't much to... I'm trying to figure out how to, how I want to word this. So nowadays we have so much crap that we do. Every every especially in America, everybody has something. And it's like so I start going down a list of things that I do on a regular basis in my life that I you know if I could try and give up one of those things for 40 days. You know. So I start thinking, okay, well, so 
Obviously, I curse. Can I give that up for 40 days? Well, I'd love to try, but I really don't see that happening because I'm a very passionate person and my passion comes through my words. And sometimes those words come out in in bad words. So, uh, you know, can't really can't really help that a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> See, there we go. Can't help that a whole lot. Um, then I was like, well, you know, I don't drink every day. Um, do I give up drinking? Well, the problem with that is, is I like to drink. Now, um, over the next 40 days, I'm going to be on a vacation. I'm going to, <laughs> my son's getting married. And uh, we do our DTOM file shows every other Friday. And, you know, we, we drink a, a, a beverage or two, right? So I was like, well, I mean... So now I'm trying to justify what I'm going to give up versus, <laughs> and it's not about that. So then I was like, okay, so, you know, you have some people to say, I'm going to give up a certain food, or I'm going to give up drinking, or I'm going to give up soda, I'm going to give up, you know, whatever the case may be. So I was like, you know what? I love pizza, right? I, we probably eat pizza, I would say at least once a week. So giving up pizza, I'm going to do that for, uh, for my, 40 days, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. At any rate, I guess uh, just something something for you guys to take note about. And, um, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how this journey goes. It's the first time I've done this in my, in my life. I just started thinking about it when I, yesterday I was like, oh, shit, yesterday's Mardi Gras was Fat Tuesday. So me and, me and my wife went out to dinner and, so I was like, yeah, well, let me see what I can see what I can do. See what I can do. Anyway, on with the show, guys. Um, <laughs> so just a few things. For the most part, what we're going to talk about here is the uh, State of the Union. But there's a couple other things I want to touch on. So uh, VP Harris was on a, a radio show, uh, The Morning Hustle, the other day, and the the interviewer asked her a question about the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, and uh, this is what she had to say. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. So, I mean, that was pretty fucking layman's terms as you can get. That was the the most basic Wikipedia version of what's going on right now. It's like she literally looked up Russia-Ukraine situation on Wikipedia and that's what it said. <laughs> now, mind you, not that Joe's any better, but God forbid something happens to him, this is your second choice. Uh, a 20-year younger version of, of Joe Biden. Whew. Yeah, buddy. And what, what was it? She said the other day, too, she was she was in her interview and people were talking about that whoever it was asked her about uh, voting and 81 million people and and then they got what they they got what they voted for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. All right. So Biden the other day came out and said he was going to release 30 million 
uh, barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve. Well, newsflash for you, Joe. If um, if you hadn't have shut down the damn pipeline because, you know, Trump's evil and uh, we have to be Green New Deal and all this crap, we wouldn't be in this situation. But um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, U.S. and other world powers to tap strategic oil reserves in a bid to ease gasoline prices. Well, quick thing. 30 million barrels, I think, is about two days worth of oil. So, cool. Actually, when he announced this, oil prices went up. There, I think yesterday was a $106 a barrel. So, you want gas prices to go down? You don't announce that. That doesn't help. Not to mention the fact that you're taking strategic oil. That is for our military. Because if, God forbid this situation in Ukraine gets any worse or any bigger, kind of probably need that oil. But um, the United States and other world powers have agreed to release 60 million barrels of oil from the strategic reserves. Now, that's other world powers. In, in America, it was 30. So the other 30 are coming from wherever. A move intended to re, uh, reduce gasoline prices that have climbed rapidly in recent weeks, according to International Energy Agency. The Energy Agency's uh, governing board released a statement Thursday attributing the decision to tight global oil markets that have become further strained by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Although the sanctions that that countries have imposed on Russia in recent days do not directly target its oil and gas sectors, continued fighting is expecting to disrupt supply routes through Ukraine, the Black Sea, uh, shrinking crude oil stocks dramatically. So, how come it is, whenever there's a, a disruption, a, an invasion, a whatever, no matter where it is in the world, it always seems to affect the gas prices, and then they give some bullshit reason. Well, I told you guys on the last show, we're, we're uh, importing over 200,000 barrels a day from Ukraine. I'm sorry, from Russia. Um, in the meantime, we have sanctions against Russia, but... Sanctions on what? Because we're still buying oil. And now if that oil's, you know, $106 a, a barrel, you're getting 200 plus thousand barrels a day. I mean, shit, do the simple math. What is that? Uh, $2 billion? Right? <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, maybe my math's wrong. Maybe, I don't know. It's probably right. Um <laughs> So are we funding? And that's just us. That's just America. That doesn't count the other countries that are buying oil from Russia. So we're going to sanction them on their vodka and whatever exports they might have, wheat. But oil, and we still need that. So yeah, whatever. Um, It was interesting because, you know, I I was debating on whether or not I wanted to play this later. But this is a quick thing from the State of the Union address last night, Biden on the deficit in this country and one of his solutions. And I'm going to bring it back around to how it ties in with the oil situation. And so we have a choice. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. Hey, Joe, cost is wages. 
I'm going to interrupt real quick. That's how you know he knows nothing about anything. Because if you own a business, one of your costs are wages. Okay? And if you run a business, you can only lower your costs so much because if you if you run a retail business and you get product from wherever, and those companies, right? I mean, it's a simple thing to say, I'll lower your cost. Okay. It's, let me let me finish playing this and I'll go into my rant here in a second. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America, more infrastructure and innovation in America, more goods moving faster and cheaper in America, more jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. And that would include oil. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, i.e. Russian oil, make it in America. And i.e. open the effing pipeline, Joe. Get these things that have been, that were started and implemented under the last president. Swallow your damn pride and get the oil flowing again. Because this is your fault. These things are your fault. Say whatever you want about COVID, whatever. The thing that really pissed me off last night, me and my wife were watching this. And when he spouted the job number crap, oh, 6.6 million people back at work. Or no, no, I'm sorry. 6.6 million people, new jobs created is what he says. No, Joe, it's not. If you're going to compare job numbers, if that's what we're going to play that game, if, if your state of the union is going to be based on job numbers and you you're going to tout that as a as a win okay i get it numbers are numbers you can sit there and say 6.6 million new jobs created blah 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 okay anyone with half a brain and can take politics whether you're republican democrat whatever put that to the side the fact of the matter is before covid Trump had created 10 million jobs in this country, okay? However, whether it was signing deals with motor companies, with different uh, plants, with different situations to create jobs, 10 million people lost their job because of COVID. However they lost their job, whether they were waiters, waitresses, uh, you know, wherever they worked, those places shut down, laid off people, whether it was warehouses, whatever the case was. 10 million people lost their job because of COVID. 6.6 million of those people have gone back to work. You didn't create jobs. <laughs> COVID going away or people realizing it's nothing more than a cold opened the country back up. Therefore, 6.6 of the 10 million that lost their jobs went back to work. You want to impress me? Tell me it's 11 million, it's 12 million, it's 15 million people. Then, and only then, can you say you've created jobs. Once you're past that 10 million people point, once you can sit there and say, 10 million point one people have gone back to work, only then can you say, that you've created jobs. Until you've passed that 10 million people point, it's just people going back to work. 
Anyone that doesn't realize that is a freaking moron. Okay? <sighs> Excuse me. Anyway, oil, if we waste our strategic oil allotment trying to lower gas prices, which you make an announcement on Monday, we're going to do this. On Tuesday, gas prices or the oil prices shoot up over $100 a barrel. So obviously, that didn't work. What will work, see, oil is based, for you guys that may or may not know this, <clears throat> oil prices, gas prices, are based on what they call the futures market. Okay, so that's how, you know, how you, you, you'll be at a gas station today, and gas is, you know, three fifty a gallon. And then, let's gas trucks putting gas in the ground right now. So you're at your local gas station, gas trucks putting gas in the ground, gas is three fifty. Tomorrow you drive by the gas station and it's three sixty. The next day you drive by and it's three forty. Then the next day you drive by and it's three seventy. Gas fluctuates like that. It has nothing to do with the owners of the gas station or the gas that's in the ground. Because that gas can be put in the ground today, still be there. It might take two, three, five, ten days or whatever for that gas station to sell through that gas so obviously the price of that gas hasn't changed because it's been there what it is those numbers fluctuate based on the futures market okay the only way you can drive down oil cost gas cost is by opening pipelines once you create a flow of oil then it creates the futures market to see the future and say okay well there's going to be an overproduction of oil into gas therefore it's going to cost the you know drive the cost down it's supply and demand it's basic economics the more supply you have if if the supply outweighs the demand right they're going to lower the cost if the supply is higher than the demand then uh, i'm sorry if the supply is lower than the demand then your prices go up and that's what we're seeing now in, in wherever, and I'm not just talking about gas, I'm just talking about anywhere. He's talking about lower the cost. If you want to, you know, whatever, lower the cost. Well, that's the problem. You go anywhere you go, grocery shopping, gas, clothes, whatever you're buying, we all know everything is more expensive. The deficit, or I'm sorry, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the inflation number is up 7.5% from what it was a year ago. Now, it's an average number, so obviously some things are more expensive than others. But nonetheless, that 7.5% has, has raised the cost of everything. And the reason that is is because your supply of whatever the items are is less than the demand. So when that happens, you the cost goes up because that's a way to keep people from buying it and helps your supply build back up. The problem is, is people are still buying stuff. Like we complain that everything's going up in price, but these stores are still selling stuff. Go to your grocery store and they're still selling stuff. I mean, the argument arg argument can be made that oh, they're out still, they're they're low stock still. And for some part that's true, but a lot of that has to do with people are still buying the stuff. They're still stocking up. And especially this time of year, because what's going on right now? Everyone's getting their uh, tax returns, right? So that's money in hand. People are going out and buying stuff while they had the money. Now, two, three, four months from now, when that money's gone, people have already gotten their tax return and spent it. 
then you have a different situation. Then you'll probably see more of a supply and less of a demand. Prices might go down. Maybe. I'm not don't quote me on that. But gas is always in demand. We always need gas. We always have to go to work. We always have to go somewhere. We need gas. So until the supply outweighs the demand, the prices are going to keep rising. <coughs> so that's on him. You can say whatever you want about Trump. You can say, you can, I don't care. The fact of the matter is, when this dude came in the office, he shut down the pipeline. As soon as that happened, gas prices went up. Continue to go up until that pipeline's open. <sighs> All right. So some of the uh, takeaways from, from last night's um, speech here. So President Biden used his first State of the Union speech Tuesday night to call out Russia's invasion of the Ukraine and vowed to tame surprise, uh, surging inflation and the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, here's my thing about this before I go into it. Um, okay, Russia, invasion, Ukraine, cool, whatever. You can say what you want about either side. I think a lot of the things we're seeing um, that are now being debunked, the 13 uh, soldiers on Snake Island that told the Russian boat to go fuck themselves and then were killed, not true. The ghost of Kiev, the, the pilot, shooting down however many, not true. <laughs> I mean, those these are all fabricated stories. Uh, Zelensky dressed on the in in gear, uh, ready to fight. Not true. I mean, yes, there is a picture of him dressed in gear, but that wasn't yesterday. It was like a year ago. These this is all propaganda for the Ukraine to gain support. Now, granted, Russia is invading the country. There's that's not false, and. And this is probably a show for another day as more information is being told. And this might be something to get into on Friday um, or Sunday, depending on how things go. But um, there's a lot of behind the scenes, underneath, deep digging things that are going into this. And uh, like I said, a story for another day. But nonetheless, in the State of the Union address in the state of our union why do we care about the russian invasion of the ukraine that has nothing to do with this country it's just another thing for him to use to blame someone else for the fuckery that's going on in this country before this happened last week these issues were still here <laughs> gas prices were still going up Supply chain still sucked. Inflation was still bad. But now we can blame it on the Russians? Hmm. Okay. Um, so Biden underscored his 62-minute address that much of the world is united against Russia as he tried to make Americans feel optimistic about the future. Despite his first year of being in office plagued by economic and public health woes, um, here are, are a few moments, key moments from the address. So he touches on the Russian war on Ukraine. Biden condemned Russian President Putin onslaught in Ukraine and warned that Moscow had no idea what was coming. Six days ago, Russian 
uh, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways, but he had badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, we, he met a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. <laughs> this is Biden's words. Biden, who had seen rare bipartisan sport during the conflict, confirmed the U.S. would uh, ban Russian planes from entering American airspace. He also celebrated the West for coming together on hard-hitting sanctions that are choking off Russians' access to technology that will sap its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. Except for oil, we're still going to buy oil. (laughs) Which... Is probably, I would assume, is one of Russia's main exports. But, you know, we're going to worry about not buying their vodka, though. <laughs> Damn it. Another thing, he, um, on this, uh, something that I just realized, uh, uh, been too menacing, uh, where was it at? No idea what is coming, right? What does that mean? Like, if I'm Putin and the president of the United States says, you have no idea what's coming. You threatening me? But, you know, this is in the meantime of Putin talking about nuclear this and nuclear that and getting everyone freaked out. Anyway, another thing that was interesting is if you watch the whole State of the Union, the beginning of or during this Ukraine-Russia talk here, he was saying how he was, you know, it was so proud to see Ukrainians taking up arms against a tyrannical uh, government, standing their ground and doing this. And, you know, like I told you guys in the last show, there are situations where these trucks, I call them U-Hauls, obviously. They're not U-Hauls in Ukraine, but whatever. They pull up to the um, different, like, police stations and whatnot, and they're opening the back of these trucks and handing out AKs. There's lines around the corner. This is what's being reported. I told my wife, I said, I need to go to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> they're just giving guns out like that shit. I can always use another AK. But, um, you know, my point being is I'm so we're so proud of the Ukrainian people standing up to tyrannical government. And then later on in the address, he condemns people like us, people like me and you that own guns. You know, so it's okay for a foreign country to have to take up arms against a tyrannical government. But it's not okay for Americans to do the same. Uh, Joe, read the Second Amendment. <laughs> read the Second Amendment. Or wait, maybe I'm talking to... Read the Second Amendment. That, isn't that what he does? All right, tackling rising inflation. Biden said investments uh, investment was needed in U.S. manufacturing camp capacity to bid to lower prices, speed up supply chains, and boost American jobs. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. That's the thing I just played. Lower cost, not your wages, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing, Joe. When Trump was in office, he laid the groundwork for this. And the only way, is much to your dismay, and much of credit you don't want to give the man, the only way you're going to gain U.S. manufacturing jobs in this country, semiconductors and all this other crap you talked about, is by giving those companies a tax break. The reason they leave to go to Mexico and Canada and wherever else to build said items is because it's cheaper for them to do so. Trump gave the tax breaks that you demified in the State of the Union address 
as being for the top 1%. Well, who the fuck owns the companies, Joe? Who owns the manufacturing companies? Who owns Apple? Who owns <laughs> who owns all these places that you're talking about lower cost? It's the top fucking 1%. I don't own anything like that. Right? So, obviously, these places are going to move to where it's cheaper to build whatever they're building. So, what Trump did was he offered those people tax breaks to keep their companies here or move their companies back here. And then he raised tariffs. So, it also punished so like let's say apple for example they build their phones wherever china and let's say they build their phones for a nickel i don't know how much it cost them i'm just throwing a nickel out there <laughs> but in america it cost them a hundred dollars to build that phone well trump was like we'll come back here we'll give you tax breaks and maybe it only cost you you know fifty dollars to build the phone but in the meantime they're like well shit it still only costs us a nickel over there so we're still making a shit ton more money, you know. Okay, cool. Well, we're just going to raise the tariffs on anything coming out of China, you know, to $500 a unit. So now you're losing money. And that's that was I'm I'm just throwing stupid numbers out there. Obviously, I don't know the actual numbers, but that's the basic idea behind what Trump did was he lowered the taxes for these companies that are owned by the 1% Joe <laughs> and uh, to bring the jobs back here, then when you came in, it was like, no, we're not doing that. We need those people to pay their fair share. Oh, by the way, the top 5% of this country pay 95% of the taxes. So there is that, but nonetheless, um, in order to lower your inflation, in order to lower your cost, in order to do the things that you talked about doing, you're going to have to lower the taxes on these businesses, i.e. you're going to have to lower the taxes on the 1% of the people that own these businesses. I don't own a business like that. I'm not making that kind of money. But you know who's feeling the brunt of your your situation is people like us via the 7.5 rate of inflation. The $2 more we're paying in gas right now. It's bound to go higher. Those are un unseen taxes. They're not called taxes, but they are taxes. And he's going to blame and vilify companies to because of that. Well, the higher you make people pay wages, the more they're going to cost to sell items. Companies are going to have to get some sort of break in order to keep their costs down. So something's got to give. <laughs> All right. Then he goes into the next phase of COVID-19. I thought COVID-19 was over. <laughs> I thought we were focused on killing Russia. And by the looks of all the masks in the, in the Capitol building yesterday, I figured it was over. I mean, shit, was it? Monday, he was coming back from Delaware, walking across the White House lawn with a mask on by himself. And then yesterday, he's cool, mask-free, hugging up on everybody. Which, mind you, this isn't the the D-Tom, everyone must mask up show. I could give two shits less if you wear a mask or not. I might shake my head at you and laugh, especially if you're driving in a car by yourself with a mask on. But you do you. Um, my point is this. If you, all of a sudden, they flip the switch, science is good, mask today, no mask tomorrow, you're good. 
what what changed like that why did it change like that because they need to move the narrative down another way so biden also er, used his speech to hammer home that the u.s had reached a new moment in the pandemic after a highly transmissible omicron surge after entering the house chambers without a mask biden said tonight i could say we're moving forward safely back to our normal routines and some would say this is me talking that the highly transmissible Omicron surge is actually what helped get rid of this. God works in mysterious ways, right? So if we say, and I think everyone listening to the show believes in this, that COVID-19, although portions of it are, can be found in nature, the, the, um, gain of function aspect of the disease was man-made okay so wherever the disease came from pangolin a bat whatever in a wet you know whatever the case is it was amplified by human okay now whether those were chinese uh, lab workers funded by the nih and fauci and da, 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 whatever point of the matter is we can all agree I think for the most part that COVID was man-made or at least the transmissibility of it was from man. Nonetheless, for whatever reason, whatever, as the disease mutated and bounced around from person to person, and then especially when vaccines came into the mix, now say what you want about the vaccines, Good, bad, evil, not evil, mark of the beast, not the mark of the beast, whatever. Didn't God maybe say, you guys are messing around with nature and I don't like it. You know, we talked about the story of the ark and why Noah had to do what he had to do. Well, some believe that back in those days, God, uh, man was messing with with uh, God's creations. And... Thus the flood, wipe out the earth, two of each animal, blah, blah, blah. You know the story. Um, was Omicron from God? Did he say, here's your natural vaccine, right? Everyone gets a cold, right? A lot of people get the flu every year, right? This is just going to be another version of those things. We will all be fine. People die from the flu, unfortunately, right? Get your flu shot. Don't get your flu shot. Get your COVID shot. Don't get your COVID shot. It should be your choice. I've been, we've been saying that on this show for a year. It should be your choice. You are a grown adult, but yet we're still seeing these commercials. I don't know. Anyway, he went on to note that most of the country can now be mass free as COVID cases continue to decline and most Americans are vaccinated. COVID-19 need no longer control our lives, he says. Cool. Cool. At least it's out of the, the king himself, right? So maybe, maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> maybe we can kind of, I mean, we're in Florida, it's not so bad, but the rest of y'all can get back into, into the swing of things. So I have a I have a clip. I'm not going to play this clip here. I'm going to play it in a few minutes. But he does talk about fighting crime and uh, but not defunding the police. I'm not going to talk about that because I want to. I got a clip I want to play about that. 
and then rebranding Build Back Better. Biden did not once use his heavily touted Build Back Better motto during the address. The president's spending package and uh, formed a huge part of his political agenda, which he hasn't been able to enact due to pushback. Despite using the slogan repeatedly through his first year in office, Biden on Tuesday rebranded it saying, I call it building a... <laughs> I call it building a better America. Hmm. Almost kind of like make America great. Again? Where do we hear that? I know I've heard that somewhere. Anyway. The agenda is slimmed down version of what Biden previously touted and still includes capping prescription drug prices and uh, anti-climate change policies and financial support to limited child care costs. The expanded tax credit from COVID package relief has been dumped. All right. Real quick. Prescription drug prices. He goes on to a thing about um, uh, insulin. During the, during the speech. And it shouldn't cost you $100, however much he said. It only costs $10 to make blah, 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 blah. Guess what, Joe? Once again, that's on you. And the reason I say that is because when Trump was in office, he signed an executive order to lower prescription drug prices, to lower the price of EpiPens, to lower the price of insulin, to lower these things. And then you came in and said, nope. <laughs> that's on you, brother. That is on you. Now, in all fairness to Joe, he don't know what the fuck he was reading last night. He couldn't read that shit fast. If you guys watched it, they had him so jacked up on Adderall to get him through that speech as quickly as he could. I mean, to the point where, you know, you guys watch State of the Union addresses in the past. You know, whoever the president is, they say whatever, blah, blah, blah. And everyone, yeah, he's the greatest, you know. And then he'll, whoever the president is, stops talking until the the applause dies down, and then he'll go back into, blah, 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 into his next topic, right? And then he'll stop talking, you know, another tear, and he'll, this dude was talking over the clapping. It's like, he's like, shut, get, sit down, I've got stuff to say, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's good times. All right, so here, and this was interesting. So this was CNN's, um, CNN's Instapoll of State of the Union uh, viewers. And um, I'm going to let him, whoever this dude is here, but the, like I said, CNN, so I'm going to let him explain their poll. Not a poll, obviously, of all Americans. That that would not be possible here. This is a poll of people who watch the speech. And what's important to note about that is that people who watch a president give a State of the Union tend to be more supportive of that president or in that president's party. We see this with Democratic presidents and Republican presidents. And so our survey tonight of speech watchers uh, is about 11 points more Democratic as, as a body of people here that were polled than the overall uh, population in America. So just keep that in mind as we now show you what this instant reaction was of poll uh, of uh, speech watchers tonight. 41% had a very positive reaction. Uh, to uh, the president's speech, 29% somewhat positive, 29% negative. That 41%, when you compare it to last year's speech uh, that Joe Biden gave to a joint session of Congress, that's about 10 points lower on the very positive uh, scale. 51% last year, you see 41% uh, today. In fact, that 41% is the lowest very positive we've seen in about the last 15 years of uh, instant polling after the State of the Union address. Take a look at this uh, question here. We said 
Did Biden do enough to address some of the major issues here on Russia's invasion of Ukraine? 69 percent said the president did enough to address that. But look at this for the domestic issues that the White House is so keenly aware of in this midterm election year that are potential problems for Biden. They still seem to be problems. Forty seven percent said he did enough on inflation. Forty six percent said he did enough on violent crime. Majorities for both inflation and violent crime said he did not do enough. And again, I just want to remind you, that is the majority of a speech watching audience that is more democratic uh, than the American populace overall. So that just goes to show you that his own people aren't on board with him. So 69% of the Russian invasion, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, whatever. Of course, they're going to, people are going to show support towards the smaller entity. A lot of people pissed off about inflation. Finally, a lot of people pissed off about violent crime. I just thought it was interesting. Lowest approval from the initial, you know, response from the speech in 15 years. Who was president 15 years ago? Obama. Um, But the interesting thing is, or was it Obama? Yeah, Obama, Bush, whoever it was. Anyway, point being is, um, like he, this gentleman here saying, it was a predominantly uh, Democrat uh, viewing audience. He said, what, 11% higher, whatever the number was he said. Versus Republicans. So that means that more Democrats don't like the way the country's going, don't like what he had to say. And on the subject of defunding the police, what he had to say was, was this. The answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. So not to defund them, but to fund them. Okay. I agree. Right. But for two years, you guys have been spouting police are bad, right? Representative Jim Jordan gave a brief review of what how he felt the speech went. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Country think that the nation is on the wrong track. After Joe Biden's speech, my guess is that number is even higher. I mean, it was basically so much just nonsensical stuff. I mean, he, he, first he talks about how he, he's against defunding the police, but the very day he says that, the Democrats are having a hearing. They've announced a hearing next week on doing just that, defunding the police. So a lot of a lot of cliches, uh, but so yesterday, Democrats come out and say they're going to have a meeting on defunding the police. I, I don't know. There's a lot of other things. I, if you watched it, if you didn't watch it. It was very frustrating to for me, in my personal opinion, to watch this speech because for um obviously he's not gonna go up there and say, you know, my fellow Americans, I'm doing a shitty job. You should have never voted for me. He's not gonna say that. I, even if it was worse than it is, he's not gonna admit that he sucks, right? But <laughs> he you to sit there and, and blame other people. You know, you can't sit there in one hand and tout how great the economy is and then on the flip side complain about how bad inflation is and blame it on the businesses. Well, it's one or the other. The only reason people are back to work is because they have to go back to work. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't go back to work, 
But like I said before, you're still three and a half million short of what you were prior to the pandemic. 2019, when when um, COVID hit in March of 20, during the course of that year, subsequently, an election year, 10 million people lost their job, like I said earlier. After Trump loses the election, and as the country in 21 started to open back up, yeah, people are going to go back to work because they're not getting free money. They're not getting the assistance. You know, you got to go to work. <laughs> so six and a half million people went back to work. You didn't create anything. They went back to work. So with that being said, I'm sure I'll have some more stuff to talk about on Friday. Well, I can really branch into this uh, situation and get more responses from um, from lawmakers. But obviously, for the most part, any de- Democrat you ask, it was a great speech, and a Republican you ask, it's going to be shitty. I will say this about that. I watched the whole speech. Probably about 15 minutes left, I was like, I'm going to bed. Because it just became a pandering show of pat myself on the back or whatever. But I will say this. The first few minutes of the speech was, wasn't was bad. It was very pro-American. We're great. Everybody else sucks. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the standard kind of get everybody on your side. Rah, rah, whatever. But then as he started getting into different subjects, I was just like, this is too much. Because he's just talking about anybody, any regular person out there, no matter how much money you make, if you're just a regular dude and you're making 20000 or 50000 or $100,000, you feel the prices at the gas station, at the pump. You feel this. you know, Because obviously the more you make, the more you spend. But you still feel those things. You still go to the grocery store and be like, 100 bucks. Well, shit, 100 bucks two, three years ago filled up the grocery cart. Now it's not even half full. You know, 20 bucks used to fill up my tank. Now it's a, not even half a tank. Those types of things, you, you get those responses. And it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. You feel that. You don't get a discount on anything because you're Democrat. You don't go to the grocery store and be like, I'm a Democrat. I get a discount, right? No. It, it, same price. If anything, we should charge you more for voting for that motherfucker, right? <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to I'm gonna put a lid on the day. We're going to do a short one because, uh, you know, I got stuff to do. Anyway, um, if you guys would please do me a favor on whatever podcast, uh, pod, podcast app you're listening to this on, if there's an option to give a review of the show, whether it's just a five-star or if you want to write something cool, could you please do so? I know on Spotify, on on um, Apple Podcast, I think Podbeam, there's a spot where you can review the show. If you would do that for me, please help me out because that's the best way to spread this um, this show and keep this thing growing. Uh, and in, if you want to find me on social media, we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Don't Try on America, and also on uh, Twitter at dtom underscore 1775 and if you want to find me personally on twitter it's pcgc underscore 1775 
And uh, don't forget about our website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. And there you can subscribe to the page. It's free. I don't charge anything. And uh, if you want to drop me a line, if you want to subscribe to that, cool. You'll get updates. You'll get little blurbs, anything I write. And uh, you can contact me on any of those platforms. You can tell me how great I am or you can tell me how shitty I am. I don't care. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. So with that being said, guys, it is March 2nd. 2022 Wednesday and uh, you guys have a splendiferous day and don't forget to uh, it's Ash Wednesday and uh, say your prayers eat your vitamins and uh, thank the Lord for being alive you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you on Friday